December 29, 2017. Welcome back to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and I promise you one thing. That's the last time I'm ever sleeping three hours, getting up at 4 a.m., going to the airport, connecting in Atlanta, flying to Lexington, taking a shower, getting into a traffic jam on the way to Rupp Arena to watch a 29-point basketball game, Norlander. Never again, never again. I do not believe you, by the way. Um, this is like those times in college where you have way too much to drink and you wake up the next day and you feel whatever lower than death is is how you feel and you swear up and down. I am never drinking that much ever again. And then next weekend comes. So while you won't be doing this that, next that, that, weekend. It reminds, it reminds you of those days in college. It reminds me of like last weekend. It reminds me of Tuesday. Okay. Fair enough. Either <laughs> way there. So uh, you will put yourself in the situation again, maybe before the season's over. But, yes, it absolutely sucks that you had to get up at that. And plus, like, you're flying out of Memphis. you got to go to Atlanta. Then you're doubling back to Lexington. But it's the only way to get there. You get the traffic jam. And the game wasn't even that good. So, how, first of all, we're going to give a shout-out to Parrish for fighting through this. We are giving you this podcast on Friday night like we said we would. We're getting yep. it to you, listeners, and I know plenty of you yep. are listening on Friday night, and we give a shout-out to you as we... You nerds? Are you nerds? On a Friday night, you're listening to a college basketball podcast? Why are you going to bring down the hardcores <laughs> like that? The hardcores <laughs> are the people that are giving us the five stars. They're going to iTunes. You are calling these people nerds. You know what? Retroactively, they're going to go back, they're going to one-star this, and they're going to trash you for it. What are you doing? Okay, let me... Okay, listen, I don't need any one-stars. I don't need one-stars on my name. I, I take it all back. I appreciate you. I just don't think I'd be listening to a – you know what? I should take all of it back because here's the truth. As soon as we get done with this podcast, you know what I'm doing on a Friday night? Going straight to sleep. I cannot with, wait to go to bed. With, with good reason. Uh, no, let me, let, me, let me. I don't need sympathy, but just check out this schedule for a second. I We left Hollywood Studios, uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, about – 10 p.m. on Wednesday evening. Got back to our hotel around 11. Got settled in, mostly packed. Went to bed around 12, 15 or so. Woke up at 3.30. I woke up early to take my, the minivan that I now love, get it filled up with gas, make sure everything's cool there, clean it out, come back, get the kids up, get the wife up. We get out of the house at, I get out of the hotel at like, I don't know, 4.30, something like that, because we had to be at the airport, like a flight leaves at like six, barely got through security, barely made the flight, had to go from Orlando to Atlanta, Atlanta to Memphis, get home, take my bag, unpack it, take a shower, go to Memphis shoot-around at FedEx Forum, then I had Memphis LSU sideline last night, 8 o'clock local tip, so the game's not over till around 10. I don't get home till around 11. Uh, don't go to bed till after midnight. Wake up at 4 this morning to go back to the airport for another 6 a.m. flight. So I've been up 3.30 yesterday morning and till about midnight, 12.30 last night. Then got up again at 4 this morning. Flew to Lexington. Went to that stupid blowout of a basketball game. 
just finished writing a column. Now I'm doing a podcast. Back-to-back 4 a.m. wake-up calls, Norland. That's what I'm going through right now. And you probably had to deal with the Tubby Smith side at, right? I mean, you're, you're doing a game on TV with a coach that you've been killing on, on local radio for like seven straight months. You know what? Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So it, I, I was worried that it would be awkward because here's the truth. Like I, I host a radio show in Memphis, and my job there is to talk about really whatever I want to talk about, just tell stories. I just do whatever I want to do, um, and it seems to work for whatever reason. But um, obviously we spend a lot of time on, on the Memphis basketball program, and the Memphis basketball program is in a bad place right now. Season ticket sales at a modern era low, attendance modern era low, recruiting modern era low. The roster's the worst roster they've had in my lifetime. Um, they haven't signed the staff, signed a Memphis player since they've been uh, there. They inherited a roster with four top 100 prospects on it, including Diedrich Lawson, who would be the best player in the AAC right now. They currently have zero top 150 prospects. That's never been the case in my lifetime. They have zero top 150 prospects on the University of Memphis roster. East High School, which is literally a mile from the University of Memphis campus, coached by Penny Hardaway, they have five top 150 prospects on their high school team. The University of Memphis has zero top 150. So it's just insane, right? So there's all these different things. And we've been talking about these things. And like, I'm not pretending that Tubby Smith, like, you know, sits around listening and talk radio. He's just not wired that way. Josh Pastor was wired that way, um, but not not Tubby. But still, like, this stuff gets back to him. And we've been talking about these things since the day the Lawsons uh, transferred out. And so yesterday was going to be the first time, like, I was around him in a, in a pretty good while. Um, you know, you go to shoot around, that's a pretty intimate setting. Like, it's just you and him. And to his credit, um, he, he could not have been cooler, classier cooler, just made the whole thing comfortable. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to backpedal. I don't think, I think he's had an amazing career. I think he's an amazing coach. I think you could reasonably put him in the hall of fame. It's not, I don't, I don't think it's going well at Memphis and I still don't think it's going well at Memphis. Um, but, um, but I have a lot of respect for the guy and he could not have been cooler yesterday. So like all that awkwardness that I was afraid of, it was just not afraid of, but just like, you know, you're aware of it. It just did not exist. He could not have been more of a professional, which I appreciated. Yeah. And Memphis lost to LSU. We'll get to that and uh, waters in a little bit, but let's hit on this Kentucky Louisville game because it was a big letdown Um, close to start, but actually it started the way that I thought the game was going to go for most of the game. You'll recall when we talked on the podcast, I just thought it would be, a little bit sloppy. Kentucky would have a pretty good defensive performance. They'd come out with the win, and it wouldn't be crazy tight, but just, you know, maybe arm's length. Well, it didn't, didn't end, end up going that way. Um, Louisville got into some foul trouble as well. Um, and, you know, our, our editor pointed out that uh, Quentin Snyder basically threw David Padgett under the bus, apparently uh, speaking with some media members in the postgame saying, yeah, at one point we had five guards on the court. That's never happened in practice. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. And, sure, foul trouble might have induced that, but it was uh, not a good day for Louisville. Um, a very good day for Kentucky, the kind of win that I actually think the Wildcats needed to write themselves for league play if they want to have a shot at winning the league title as a quick aside. You know, Ken Pomeroy has been doing some uh, some freelancing for the Athletic Seth Davis' site. He had the projected, most likely, uh, teams to finish atop their league standing. So similar to what we were talking about with Kansas, not win the league necessarily. These were just the percentages each teams in the league um, had to finish atop the standings. Guess what? Kentucky is not first. It's not second. And it is it is distantly behind Texas A&M, which Pomeroy rates 
as by far the most likely team to finish atop the SEC standings. I thought that was pretty notable, uh, particularly because Pomeroy and his uh, his computer machine, so to speak, have been fairly accurate. It has established itself as a, as a very reliable empirical model, not with not with you know ninety five percent consistency or anything like that, but but good enough to the point where you know when you look at Vegas lines. They're very close to what Ken Pomeroy's lines are, and there's a reason why, because there was a golden age about a decade ago where gamblers were getting way rich off of Pomeroy because his system was that good, and eventually Vegas caught up and the lines are similar. So I, I say all that just to set out that Kentucky needed a really strong performance like that to establish itself, hey, we're still, we've got the opportunity here, we've got the chance, we've got the talent to finish atop the SEC. I thought that was good, but I'm not going to completely overact because I will take into account the opponent here, and Louisville was horrendous and hideous to watch, and I caught most of this game. You were obviously there in person. I'll give the 40 for you to take this wherever you want to go, but I did not think it was going to be that bad for a Cardinals team that now, as you said, I mean, they, they leave this game with no good wins on its non-conference resume, and I just don't think you can just say, oh, we got into foul trouble, and we can we can better ourselves after that. This, this was as uh, barring, like, long-term injuries for players, I really think this was like a worst-case scenario outcome for the Cardinals, what happened there on Friday. There's no question. Listen, foul trouble was part of it, but foul trouble doesn't cause you to lose by 29 points and doesn't cause you to get run off the court in the in the second half. Uh, and it's not like Kentucky's been doing that to people, you know? Like, not even in Rupp Arena. Like, Vermont pushed Kentucky in Rupp Arena. Virginia Tech pushed Kentucky in Rupp Arena. Like, it'd be one thing if you were running into a Kentucky team that's just been running everybody off the court. That's not what this was. Like, Kentucky came into this game with just as many, perhaps not just as many, but but some questions, just like Louisville had questions. And so, um, if you're a Kentucky fan, celebrate it. Enjoy it. It was awesome. The place, you know, 24,000 people, like, going crazy. Um, it was a neat scene. But I don't know that this means Kentucky, like, oh, hey, forget about everything else we've seen from Kentucky this season. You know, the loss to Kansas. The loss to UCLA, you know, struggle with Vermont, struggle with Virginia Tech. They've got everything fixed. I think this might say more about Louisville than it says about Kentucky. Now, I'm not trying to discount what Kentucky did. Kentucky is good um, and can be great. But I don't I, I don't think Louisville's good. And I, this was a pretty good reason to, to, to believe that. A Seton Hall team beating them at the Yum Center. Same Seton Hall team that, yeah, Seton Hall's good. Same Seton Hall team that lost at Rutgers. All right, they went into the Yum Center. You can't win at Rutgers. You can win at the Yum Center. Rutgers, and I know this and is, Rutgers lost at home to Hartford. So if you want right. to really play the transitive property game. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and to be clear, I know it's like 40-minute basketball games. They, you, know, you can use these things to frame a picture a lot of different ways. But like what I'm telling you are facts. You can do with them whatever you want. Like Seton Hall goes in the Yum Center and wins, but they subsequently lost at Rutgers. Um, Louisville, to wrap it back around to what we were talking about a second ago, like – like Louisville and Memphis were tied at the half. Memphis was within four points of Louisville, you know, with a handful of minutes to go. Now Louisville ultimately pulled away at the Garden, I think it was, and won by maybe nine points. But that was a close game with Memphis. And Memphis is not good. Memphis just lost on its home floor to LSU. That's the LSU team that picked the finish last in the SEC. The LSU team that lost to Stephen F. Austin at home. And like Stephen F. Austin's good, but like that's it's a body. You're not supposed to lose that game. So my point is like there's a lot of evidence now to suggest that Louisville's not good. And when you start looking at their schedule going forward, uh, it's not going to get better. Like one of the things David Paget said, or it, it's unlikely to get better. One of the things David Paget said today after the game was, 
like, you know, it's it's not fun right now. You know, this isn't fun. Like losing by 29 points obviously isn't fun. And the point I make in my column is like, well, it's not getting any easier. You look at their schedule. Now, it does like temporarily get easier. You get Pittsburgh at home. But after that, it's at Clemson, at Florida State, home against Virginia Tech, at Notre Dame, home against Boston College, at Miami, home against Wake Forest, at Virginia. They play five road games in January. And those games are at Clemson, at Florida State, at Notre Dame, at Miami, and at Virginia. Like, if you can't stay within 25 points at Kentucky at Rupp, what are you doing? How, how are you supposed to beat any of these teams on the road? Like, you're probably not going to. And so Ken Palm, I think it's worth noting, has Louisville projected right now to go 4-5 and five in the month of January, finish 9-9 nine and nine in the ACC, take a 19-12 and 12 record into the ACC tournament, and keep in mind, that's a 19-12 and 12 record with nothing accomplished in the non-league portion of the schedule. And so, like, that's bubble, right? I mean, that's bubble talk. Uh, that's dangerous territory right there. In that's dangerous hurry. territory. And the, the sort of the point I made in the column is that if you rewind eight months, and I think you and I had this conversation, you go back eight months, and we're sitting there at the final floor, wherever it was, San Antonio, and I might be making this up. I don't think we ever saw each other in San Antonio. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much dodged everyone, all of your friends. You did not see any of us. Don't worry. I, I, was, a, I, was, I'm over I, was, I was about to make up an entire story about how we were just sitting together oh, in I was, San Antonio. I was, I, was just, I was on the edge of my seat waiting <laughs> or no, no, to, to hear about how great a time we had hanging out in San Antonio because no, I, wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't there. It wasn't even San Antonio. It was Phoenix. I know what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> right. I was about to tell a whole story about how you and I were sitting there in Phoenix. And it turns out we weren't sitting there in Phoenix. But, like, the story remains the same. You and I were communicating in some form. And it's like, okay, like, Louisville brings back this dude, this dude, this dude. If Donovan Mitchell comes back, like, that's the preseason number one team in the country. Like, eight months ago, we were having conversations about if Donovan Mitchell comes back to school – Louisville, coached by Rick Pitino, will probably be the preseason number one team in the country. Then, of course, Donovan Mitchell enters the NBA draft, although he noted, like, I don't know, a few days before Christmas. And, you know, he could just be saying this, but he was like, I was really, like, leaning toward going back to Louisville. And he got into a gym. Did you read this story? No. He got into a gym with, like, Chris Paul and, I don't know, like, some other pros that were working out in L.A., maybe DeMar DeRozan. And he, like, just balled out one day. And he was like, oh, wow, I can play with these guys. And Chris Paul was like, yo, it's time to leave college. And so like, he said that oh, was a turning point. He said that was a turning point. Basically, Chris Paul calls Louisville um, Donovan Mitchell. So then Donovan Mitchell turns pro. But whatever, Rick Pitino, and still it was going to be five of the top eight scores from a team that won 25 games last season and finished ninth at Kempa. Like we all still had him like around five, six, seven, and, you know, legitimate final four contender. And then – of course, the FBI investigation is is uh, made public. The documents are released. Rick Pitino's fired. Tom George is fired. Two other assistants fired. And they promote a 32-year-old first-time head coach who has to just patchwork uh, a staff. You know, he goes out and gets Trent Johnson, goes out and gets Greg Pollard. Like, I love his staff. But, like, he just had to throw it together. Literally two months ago today, David Padgett is promoted to Louisville's interim head coach. And... David might go on to have a wonderful career, or we might just find out he's not built to be a head coach in, in college basketball. I think it's too early to know for sure. Um, although he does, I think, have a lot of the qualities you'd want in a head coach. But like, here's the truth. You go from a 65-year-old 
two-time national champion, Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer, like legitimate all-time great to a 32-year-old first-time head coach? Like maybe this is what you get. You know, like I think sometimes we, we focus so much on the rosters and so much on the talent, so much on the five stars and the four stars that we forget the guy on the sideline matters a lot. And I think it matters especially a lot when the guy on the sideline is somebody like Rick Patino. I was talking with um, Steve Lapis a few weeks ago. He and I were somewhere together, Emerald Coast Class, down in Florida. And we were just talking, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in asking coaches, like, who do you think's great? Like, like no, I don't care who you think's a cheater. Uh, I want to know who you, who's like, man, when you, when you watched him coach or you watched his teams or you watched him make adjustments in a game, you were like, yo, man, this guy's, this guy's a different level. Like, he's, he's playing a different thing than I'm playing. And one of the laps said Patino. Patino's like, Patino is widely regarded as one of the great game coaches in the history of college basketball. And now that guy's not there. And it's not like you replaced him with, you know, some other comparable coaching talent. You replaced him with a 32-year-old first-year head coach. And I, I think that catches up to you. And Mike DeCourcy, who was sitting with me at the game today at Rupp, he made the point in his column. Like, it looked like, you know, the substitute teacher. Like, you know, when, like, Rick Patino's team ain't going to get down by 29. Rick Pitino's team isn't going to give up all those transition dunks and layups. Like, you know, you call the timeout. You get your team's ass, and, and they respond to you because you're Rick Pitino. Well, David didn't seem to have that kind of presence on the sideline because, like, he, he probably doesn't. You know, he's not Rick Pitino. But, uh, of course, he used the substitute teacher line, and I think it probably works. And so I guess I say all that to just say, you know, this, this season is going to go down as it looks like one of those seasons. Like, again, uh, you know, in April, early May, uh, you know, everything was on the table. National championship, the third of Rick's career. You know, maybe Donovan Mitchell's going to come back and be a national player of the year. And you look up today, December 29, 2017, and I think right now Louisville will, will be fortunate to make the NCAA tournament. It's a pretty remarkable, self-inflicted, obviously, but still remarkable fall. You mentioned Padgett. I'll give a shout-out to our other editor, Audie Joseph, who noted that Padgett was actually ranked ahead of Chris Hall, in the class of 2003, how about wow. that for some perspective, Parrish? Paul is still that? a high-level NBA player, wasn't ranked as high as Paget, who has moved on to becoming a head coach. They are essentially the same age, and um, that's totally wild to me. Here's, a, here's the quote, by the way, from Quentin Snyder, courtesy of Jeff Greer of the Courier-Journal, who uh, we both gave our predictions. We both said Kentucky will win. We were not even close on the margin, though. Uh, Snyder said, quote, we had five guards out there. We never did that in practice. It was kind of confusing out there. It was dysfunctional out there. All right, we go from we had five guards out there. It was kind of confusing out there. It was dysfunctional out there. And then tags it with, we didn't even really know what we were doing, end quote. <laughs> uh, that does not happen if Patino is in charge. Even if you no. get foul trouble with the same bigs, it just that quote is never coming out of Snyder's mouth and Patino's there. You're absolutely right. In my opinion, the coaching means more in college basketball then maybe just about maybe the NFL the coaching means more. That might be the only sport. And I know. Oh, that coaching, I think college, I think college football. I think it can mean a lot in college football uh, because it's football and and the way that you scheme things. I understand that, but when you get to like the highest levels, I only say that in talking to coaches. When you are to maintain long term success as a coach, I think it 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 does make a difference. I don't think you can phony your way. And perhaps you can't in college football either, but you cannot phony your way to a 15-year track record of success as a head coach. There's just going to be too many other guys that are good. They're going to get you along the way. Um, 
but coaching matters and it's why and also it's become such a coach's sport overall in my opinion um but this might be the last time for a while louisville um i should say last year was the last time for a while louisville gets kentucky because they won it last year they'll get the home game next year but what's what what's going to happen with louisville are you know is Padgett going to be the coach next year or not no. If they bring in a high-level coach, which they have the capability, I think, of doing, what kind of recruiting class are they going to have in? Is, is next year going to be a rebuilding year? Do they lose the game on their home floor then? And then two years from now, it goes back to Kentucky. Will you still be in rebuild mode? Not going to get them then. Will you be looking at you know a three-, four-year run here where Louisville just drops significantly behind what K- Kentucky can do? I, I think that is something that's very much on the table here, and I think Cardinals fans are aware of that as well. Yeah, and like if you're looking for some reason to be optimistic, if you're a Louisville fan, like these these are not good times. I mean, like I should, um, you know, provide context. When I say these are not good times, it's all relative to what you were supposed to be. You're still a good basketball team. Um, you know, like they're still top forty at Ken Palm. They're still, you know, got a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. It's not like they're dreadful. It's just not what it was supposed to be. But if you're looking for a reason to be optimistic, even after a twenty nine point loss to a rival, it's that. You're Indiana. You're Texas. And what I mean by that is there were there there are jobs that open every year, and these athletic directors, and especially their fans, they think they can go hire people that they cannot go hire. Like it used to be Brad Stevens everywhere. Like it'd be like the Tennessee job opened. Brad Stevens is a and I'm like Brad Stevens not going to Tennessee. But like he was that's what the fans you know, it'd always be funny. You go on a message board and like a job like Tennessee or Illinois or Georgia Tech or um, Marquette. These are ones that just pop into my head because they had opened in the in that Brad Stevens Shaka Smart era when everybody was trying to hire those guys. And Brad and Shaka were always on those lists. And Brad and Shaka were never taking those jobs. And uh, but but there there was always a job that Shaka was going to take. I guess more recently there was always the type of job Archie Miller was always going to take. It wasn't going to be Illinois or Georgia Tech, but it was going to be Indiana. My point being that Louisville's going to be able to go out and hire one of these guys that other people can't hire. I don't know exactly who it's going to be, but I don't believe Louisville's going to get into a place where you know they get turned down, turned down, turned down, and now they're having to reach for like whoever was the hot mid-major coach who bounced into the Sweet 16 or – you know, who was the, the the guy who got fired and now he's working in television. I don't think they're going to have to go that route. Like when we talk about coaches who are awesome at historically good but not like A-level jobs, you know, Chris Mack at Xavier, Greg Marshall at Wichita State. I mean, I think Louisville's the type of job that can go get one of those guys. I don't know which one, and I'm not promising you either would take the job, but you have to understand Louisville can double their salary. Like Louisville can double Greg. Greg Marshall makes three point three million dollars a year, and if Louisville wants to pay him six point six, it can. Same same thing with Chris Mack. They want to pay him seven million. If they want to say Chris Mack, we don't want to play around. We know you love Xavier, but we're not asking to move too far from home. And here's seven years, forty nine million dollars. Like you got to look at that. You know, I I guess just my point is, um, Louisville. I do not believe is going to get into a situation come March or April where we're writing about a coaching search like the Tennessee football coaching search that just went all over the place. Yeah. I think they're going to ze- they're going to zero in on a high level accomplished guy and they're going to go get him. Do you agree with that or disagree? I mostly think I agree. Um, 
I wonder, listen, I, I think I agree. I also think that there have been some, from what I can tell and from what I've gathered, I think that this has been an uneasy uh, situation there um, and that you probably have some power players uh, that the, the Jurich situation, the former AD, I don't know how much that is as uh, mucked up things there. Um, you have uh, the Papa John influence or, or lack thereof, I guess now at this point, I, d I think that it will probably go pretty smoothly, but if you told me that, you know, Louisville missed on Mac and then it missed on Marshall, uh, it would not surprise me. I think that they can probably get those guys if they make really um, determined uh, efforts at that. But we'll see where they're at, and then we'll see what it comes with the NCAA stuff. It, you know, and and given what Louisville's going through, by the way, like I don't I don't hope this for the program, but with what we've all laid out with their with their schedule, like. The next time we talk about Louisville at this much length, 20 minutes on a podcast, like it might be because they're, they've either settled on Paget if they turn it around. I guess if they turn it around, we'll talk about it again longer. But if not, then it might be that they're going to get a new coach because I do not see them putting themselves in a really good spot by the time they get into February. Let me tell you about SeatGeek. It's the best ticket purchasing app in the whole wide world. You can get tickets to anything there, college basketball games, NBA games. Uh, football games, concerts, whatever you want, you get it on that SeatGeek app and use the promo code COLLEGEBB. That's COLLEGEBB. And the first time that you make a purchase, you're going to get $20 off that SeatGeek purchase. That's $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase just by using the promo code COLLEGEBB. So I know what you're asking. Why would I use SeatGeek, idiot? There's so many other ticket sites out there. You use SeatGeek because, A, I told you so. That's what I'm telling you to do. But, B, um, it's the best one. Why? Because it searches multiple ticket sites for you. You don't have to search five different sites to make sure you get the best tickets, best value. SeatGeek does that for you. So you, it finds the best seats. It finds the best value. It finds the best deals, and everything is fully guaranteed. So go download the app if you don't already have it on your phone, and next time you're buying tickets to anything, football games, basketball games, concerts, doesn't matter, anything, you Go to the SeatGeek app and use the promo code COLLEGEBB, and you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. At SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place. So we mentioned LSU Memphis last night, right? So I was there inside FedEx Forum. My first look at Tremont Waters, the former Georgetown signee who got released from his letter of intent when JT3 was uh, fired, and uh, Will Wade, who had uh, recently gotten the LSU job, you know, got him to, uh, to sign with LSU, and he is awesome. Trey Young has been the little freshman point guard getting all of the attention, and he should be. He's, like, doing otherworldly, unprecedented things. But Tremont Waters is awesome. Like, he – I don't mean he's going to be awesome. I mean he's an awesome college basketball player right now. Now, I stood next to him because I did a, a post-game interview with him. He's, like, legit 5'9". Like, he, he's not Whoa. even 5'11". Really? He's listed, he's listed at 5'11". I'm, like, 5'8". Five 5'7", five five be... but okay. Five seven and a half. No Orlando. shot. Five seven and a half, and we're rounding up five eight. If I'm five, let's just say I'm five seven and a half. He's maybe five nine, five nine and a half. He's he's little, but man, Memphis couldn't do anything with him. Now Memphis can't do anything with a lot of people, but that's not the point. He can make shots, sees the court brilliantly, makes passes, creates opportunities for his teammates. I mean, I, like if you were trying to find a, and I'm not promising he's going to be a four year guard, like. I don't know. He's again, he's especially small, but like, let's just say he is a four year player. If you were trying to find a four year point guard to build your program around, 
I don't know that you could do better than Tremont Waters right now. I mean, he was like, I, I came away like the numbers are the numbers. Those are easy to see, but you see him in person. He just has a unique ability to, to, to get wherever he's trying to get to, to create opportunities where they're not there. And then he's got a, a, a beautiful shooting stroke and like shoots, you know, shoots at a, at a, at a really high level. He's just, he was awesome. I was super impressed. Now LSU probably not going to be that good this year. You know, they are picked to finish last in the sec, but, um, you know, they're bringing in a top 10 recruiting class, and you put them with Waters, and, and they got something special there. Yeah, he is from my neck of the woods. He uh, was born and raised in New Haven, Connecticut, which is not too far from where I'm at, and uh, was a standout player. And I, re- I remember thinking, like, I wonder what this guy's going to do when he gets to Georgetown. I think that he's got a shot at being a pretty decent player in the league, and then everything goes south there, and his, his commitment opens back up, and it is what it is. He has been in my frosh watch, which is a top 10 ranking of, of a freshman that I post every Tuesday at CBSSports.com, um, and he's been climbing steadily. I actually noted in the most recent edition that if it wasn't for Trey Young being such an awesome point guard right now, we'd actually be giving probably a little more attention to Waters because the kind of numbers he's putting up and what he's doing for LSU is pretty impressive. Like You would take that from your freshman every single time. And what's interesting with this, I am going to... I, I thought that he was going to be a pretty good player as a freshman, but you never know. And, and I asked Will, I texted Will because I was, uh, we were working up our top 101 list, and I was, I was like, I don't know if he'll be a top 100 player, but maybe, okay, maybe he'll be like a top 20 freshman because I really like his game. And uh, I'm reading you what Will texted me. I, he goes, he will play. Not sure he will put up huge numbers right away. He definitely won't be our best player. So... Uh, Will Wade might have been gaslighting me. Coaches will do this from time to time, by the way, because they don't want to build up their young guys too much. But, but he was he was either gaslighting me or he was straight up wrong because Waters is awesome and has been really good. Right oh, away, he's and their best player. He is their best player, and he's got a good nose for the for uh, for defense in the passing lanes. Can play some on ball, but is also sneaky and jumping in those lanes and averaging. Uh, I think he's still north of two assists, like by a good margin, two point five assists or so. Um, yeah, he's fun, and I. And it would be really, really good if Will can get that thing going at LSU in a hurry so that when he's a sophomore, he can get um, kind of the, the amount of publicity that's that's coming to him. I'm actually glad you brought that up on the podcast because I've been tracking him and he's been doing well. And he is a fun guy to watch play. But right now, he's just starring on a team that's not relevant in the league. It's not going to make the NCAA tournament. So he could be this really good statistical uh, monster, so to speak. And he might enter... His sophomore season is a relative unknown, but he is he's very much the real deal, and people love going that pound-for-pound pound thing. I'm not a huge pound-for-pound pound guy, but for the given, given how big or small or however you want to call it he is, he is doing a lot of really good things right away as a freshman. No question. And um, I, listen, I don't know what Will thought of him in the preseason. This happens sometimes. Like Sometimes you get guys, and you don't see it till it's like you're in the game. Yes. Oh, wow. You know, like I think that's probably true with Trey Young. Like, it's absolutely true. Now, they were going to always trust Trey, and they probably thought that right. Trey was going to average like 15 or 16 because it's in his blood, but he's way beyond what anyone thought he was going to be. Absolutely. The um, I remember having a conversation with Thad Mata about D'Angelo Russell, and this was even before D'Angelo like, took off in the game. So this is something they did see in practice, but like when they got in there, like I remember Thad said he's, he's way better than anybody realizes. Like He's way, way better than we thought, way better than the recruiting analysts think way better than the NBA scouts understand right now. Like, he's special. And then it, it took, like, a month into that freshman season where everybody was on D'Angelo Russell. So sometimes it just um, 
you know, you just don't know. Uh, sometimes I guess that did, but certainly in other cases you just don't. And my point being, um, well, regardless of what Will Wade thought of uh, Tremont Waters in the preseason, he knows now because I talked to him after last night's game. I was like, geez, he's really good. Will was like, oh yeah, he's really good, really yeah, good. Wild. Uh, so, so like, uh, like you know, there's a million basketball games on every night, but if you if you see LSU on some night, just turn it on and check that kid out because he's um he's he's a lot of fun. Trey Young gets all the attention, and he should. But Tremont Waters is like a, 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 a you know, a, a Trey Young light, and I I hate to even use that phrase because it sounds disrespectful. But he's like in a little shot maker, playmaker, putting up big numbers. Uh, he's he's a he's he's a really fun watch. So if you see LSU on TV, uh, you can check that out. Let's look ahead a little bit to to Saturday's games because uh, there are four games that I think uh, are interested. You got uh, are interesting. Number twelve Oklahoma at number ten TCU. Number one, Villanova at Butler. Uh, Texas A&M, which I think is in the top five now, at Alabama. And number three, Arizona State at number 17, Arizona. Let's take them in order, in that order. Um, Number 12, Oklahoma at number 10, TCU. I have no real appreciation for TCU basketball history, but, like, have they ever had a bigger game than this game? Going into it? No. Undefeated, ranked 10th in the country? Yeah. Okay. No. Okay. Let, let me let me let me let me frame it for you. Undefeated, ranked tenth in the country, with the national player of the year favorite coming into your building. Yeah. It's got to be. Gotta it's got to be. be on the short list. It's got to be atop the list, I think. Oh boy, uh, this is such an awesome game. I'm gonna try and watch some of it. I will be. I'll get to the Butler game in a second. I will be at Hinkle, and that's a four o'clock tip. This is a two o'clock tip. The Sooners. Horn Frogs game is a two o'clock tip on Saturday, so I'm going to try and watch some of this. Um, this is a game that people are already buying into Oklahoma for a couple of reasons. The young factor leads the uh, the team; lead, he leads the nation in scoring. The team leads the nation in points per game. They're they're looking good. This was even though they were down last year, they made the Final Four with Buddy two years ago. So people buy into the Sooners at this point, well, understandably so. TCU, since it hasn't been to the tournament since 98 and is not a is not a relevant basketball team, has not been for 98% of its existence as a program, let's be honest here. It will take wins like this. It will take getting one from Kansas. It will take finishing in the top three of a very good Big 12, I think, for people to say, okay, yeah, no, TCU is for real. And by for real, I don't mean like, oh, no, they deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. I mean like, oh, no, TCU is a team that you should strongly – consider putting into like the sweet 16 elite eight that starts with a win here at home if you can get it i will take tcu to win this game it should be very high scoring if these teams really get going this will be the game of the day because they can if they really let loose gp like they can go into the hundreds if this was like a 103 101 game i would not be surprised at all give me tcu though i'll go 97 93 uh, Trey Young, I almost feel like every time we talk about an Oklahoma game, let's set an over-under on his points. I will set the over-under Trey Young at 33 and a half, which is <laughs> dumb, but that's what I'm setting it. Over-under 33.5 points for Trey. What are you doing? I, 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 like, I like both of these teams a lot. I love the Trey Young story. I love the Lon Kruger story. I mean, just one of the true gentlemen in the sport. Uh... You know, like, 
just as humble a guy as you'll meet. I don't know how well you know Lon, but like just the nicest yeah. man you'll ever meet. And I think it's funny, you know, in a, in an era when coaches are all like secretive and like closed practices, you realize his practices are open. Every, everyone. That's great. To every to no to everybody. That's like, awesome, man. No, I mean like if, yeah, if, I know what you mean. If, that's that's just that's if, just awesome. If, if if my cousin wanted to go to an Oklahoma practice tomorrow. He could. Like, the gym's open. You want to go watch him practice? You could go watch him practice. Like, any, literally anybody is allowed to go. And so he just he runs his program in such a unique way. So I love that. Um, I, I love that they're back to being relevant again. They were fun when they had Buddy a couple years ago, and now they're, they're super fun with, with Trey Young. Um, but, but I kind of want TCU to win this game only because I hate the people who have been hesitant to, to accept that TCU's good. I don't know if they're really the eighth best team in the country or the tenth best team in the country, but they're good. They're not just the byproduct of a soft schedule. I know they haven't played a true road game yet, um, and I know they don't have a blue blood, you know, victory yet. But they did beat a an SMU team that's pretty good, a Nevada team that's that pretty that's pretty good, a St. Bonaventure team that won at Syracuse. Now Bonaventure didn't have Jalen Adams. That they, I don't know, we we don't have to lie to each other, but like TCU is good, and. If TCU loses tomorrow, it'll give everybody an opportunity who's been like discounting or dismissing TCU. It'll give them an opportunity to say, see, I told you. As soon as they played somebody who was good, they, they did what they always do. They lost. And so I'm, I'd be trying to avoid that. So I would like to see TCU win this game. Um, and I think TCU will win the game. You know, I think that they, I'm just assuming the arena should be incredible. And so, yeah, close game, something like 91-89. Like I think a close game in the 90s. Close game I, in the '90s, which which would be awesome. Yes, we're both picking that. But did I did I just uh, black out, or did you not give me an over under on Trey Young thirty three point five points? I'll go under, but like I don't feel good about it. If he had twenty four at the half, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I know. Fair enough. Okay, next game I believe you said was Nova Butler, correct? Yeah, Villanova at Butler. Now you're going to be there. That's at Hinkle. You've been to Hinkle many times by now, right? I have. Yes, I have. Um, that's a four o'clock game on America's Most Watched Network. GP, what is it all? What, what is it's, it? it's CBS. It's uh, America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's the network of stars. Of course, of course. Um, very and very intriguing test here for Villanova. Undefeated. Uh, I think at this point, with what it's shown, uh, we've talked about this. We don't need to rehash everything. They are without debate the best team in college basketball right now. Might even still be that if they lose at Hinkle on Saturday. Butler is – let's see how Butler does here at home under Laval Jordan in his first year. If this is a a typical Butler team, this is the Big East debut at home for Laval. They got a, they got a very, I think, important win to its schedule and resume by going two OTs on Wednesday and beating Georgetown after trailing by like 20. That's a Butler-type win, right? Let's see if they can – just bring Villanova down from the mountain that it's been uh, atop for most of this season and play this game they want to play it and make it really interesting late. I don't think they'll be successful with that. I will take Villanova here. Um, I don't even know the line. If I had to guess it, I'm going to say Nova's favored by six and a half on the road, something like that. Um, give me Nova. Uh, give me a really good game from Brunson. Um I'll take um, 73-64. Yeah, I think Villanova wins this, and we talked about it on the last podcast or two podcasts ago. I think they win this one pretty 
nothing's easy on the road or rarely are things easy on the road, but comfortable, like, you know, eight, nine, ten points. Not the type of deal where with two minutes to go, they're in trouble. You know, they, they, you know, Jalen Brunson will have it under control. They'll be up, you know, seven to 11 points somewhere in that range for much of the final 10 minutes. I, I don't think that I, I don't think I'm going to see a tweet that says get to CBS now. Villanova Butler tied with 80 seconds left. I'd be surprised. You know, listen, it's 40 minute games. You know, that's always my disclaimer. Anything can happen. But um, I think Villanova probably wins it uh, and improves uh, to what would it be, 14 and 0? Yeah. Improves improves to 14 and 0, and you know you start looking at when are they going to lose for the first time. I mean, I mean after Butler, it's like home game, home game at St. John's, at Georgetown, at Marquette. Jan- if they don't lose tomorrow, I'm saying it's January 28 at Marquette. That's my guess. Yeah, I could see it, but like they don't get. Like, who do you think are the best other teams in the Big East? They don't get them on the road till late. Yeah. Providence, at Providence, February 14th, at Xavier, February 17th, at Creighton, February 24th, at Seton Hall on February 28th. So you could reasonably say they don't play the four other top, good, you know, top teams in the Big East on the road until the final month of the season. Yeah, I think I said that on a podcast like two weeks ago. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I don't listen sometimes when you talk. Yeah, we actually had this exact discussion. <laughs> the Nova hardcores that are listening are like, yeah, you guys definitely talked about this like before Christmas. A&M Alabama. This is an A&M team ranked in the top five. You've got them. GP, do you have them fourth right now in your rankings? I, I do. Yeah. And I don't, you know, it's a little bit like when I had Kentucky fourth. People would say, God, is Kentucky really fourth? And I would say you have to, somebody has to be fourth. You know, yeah. you can't just skip four and go to 11. You know, somebody, somebody's one, somebody's two, somebody's three, somebody's got to be four. And right now, you know, why not Texas A&M? They have got a win, a blowout win over West Virginia. They got a win over Oklahoma State, a win over Penn State. That might not sound like much, but those are both top 50 teams. A win over USC, that's a top 40 team. Uh, only loss is a three-point loss in Phoenix to Arizona. Um, like, why? Like somebody's got to be four. Why not them? Yeah, they are. They've been uh, pretty good so far. Kennedy's got a talented squad here. Um, I'm more interested to see how Alabama does here because it gets the game on its home floor. It's a it's a big opener in league play. Colin Sexton. They're not just Sexton. I mean, uh, Dayson Ingram is is a is a fine sophomore in my opinion. Um, and John Petty is another talented freshman. The kind of guy who like Sexton's going to be a one and done player. We get to February of 2019, near the near the end of his sophomore year. I think Petty could turn into a top 10 player in the SEC. Let's see how they how they perform here. Um, I so I've taken Nova to win on the road, and uh, GP. Who the hell did I take in our first game? Why am I blanking? T- oh, I took you TCU took to win at home. home. I took TCU yeah. to win at home. I will take. Oh, man, it would be more interesting for the SEC if Bama won this game, and I think they might need it for their resume, but I am going to take another road team here. I will take A&M 74-69, and uh, the Aggies will validate themselves as not only just a top-five team, but reinforce the fact that they are indeed the team to beat and not Kentucky in this league. You are taking too many road teams, sir. The Alabama Crimson Tide. The Alabama Crimson Tide. The Alabama Crimson Tide. Straight up. Upset. 
Upset. Alabama beats Texas A&M. Colin Sexton goes for 30. Okay. I'll go under Colin 30 Sex- for Sexton, but yes, okay. How about this? Let me rephrase. Alabama upsets Texas A&M. Colin Sexton goes for 25. You said 30. I said 30 then. Colin Sexton goes for 40. Okay. <laughs> Last game I want to get into. Can you tell I haven't slept? I yeah, slept actually, five I'm, hours. I'm loving this podcast as it goes along. So. <laughs> I, haven't, I, I haven't slept. I've slept five hours in the past, like, 60 hours. So, and I can't even remember conversations we've had on this exact podcast. Last game, number three, Arizona State at number 17, Arizona. You said Oklahoma TCU be the uh, game of the day, and it certainly could be for all the reasons you stated. But I think this is the one. Yeah. Like, Because, first off, it's a preseason top five team in Arizona that obviously went through it in battle for Atlantis but seems to have gotten things figured out. And then it's the surprise of college basketball. And, yeah, they got a double-digit win over Xavier, and they got um, the Kansas. win at Kansas. Yeah. But there are still people out there who say there's just no way Arizona State's one of the three best teams in the country. And But if, if they go win at the McKell Center, you can't say anything to them anymore. Like, now they've won at – can you imagine Arizona State in the same, like, month winning at Kansas and at Arizona after beating Xavier by double digits? I mean, that's insanity. And yet they got an opportunity to do it. Do you think they'll do it? I do not think they will do I, it. Uh, it would be incredible. If they did this, GP, if they did this, if they do that and, and Villanova lost at Butler. They're number one get, team in the country. The, they'd be the number one team in the country. And, and the resume gap for the number one overall seed at the moment would be sizable. Like sure. they, they would have to start losing some games for other teams to catch up to them. Now, Arizona State's got an interesting schedule ahead here because they have Arizona, and then they're at Colorado, and then at Utah. It would be a total bummer if this thing just totally flips on them and they drop three straight on the road to start league play. That would just be just the biggest wet blanket ever. I don't think that's going to happen. They are a top-five offense. They've been very, very good. This is absolutely the most hyped game, rightfully so, going into Saturday. Uh, it, I think it will be just I think it has a, a very good chance of being a fantastic game. I think PCU Oklahoma, just because the offense will be better. Um, this is a nine o'clock tip on the Pac-12 network, by the way. Oh so my God! You the gotta stupid, try and find this one. The, 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 get a the stream. Pac-12 network, dude. <laughs> I can I I have my Directv bill is like three hundred something dollars a month, and I can, I I have every channel in the world. I really don't think there's a channel you can purchase that I don't have on DirecTV. I think I think I just finally called them and said, give me all your channels. <laughs> I, want, I want everything. And I can't get the pad. I don't have the Pac-12 network. They don't have a DirecTV deal. Like, it's insanity. I can't watch. You tell me I can't watch Arizona, Arizona State. <laughs> You're going to have to be savvy. It is true. Like, and how, like three I, weeks I, ago, Parrish sent our little uh, text in our little group text with some of our writers. He's like, yo, do any of you have Pac-12 network? Can you get me a login? Like, I can't, I can't seem to watch these games. And it is unfortunate. I'm going to be on a plane, by the way, headed back home. I'm not even going to get to see this game, which is a, a huge personal bummer. I'm going to take Arizona to win it. I'll take them to win it. Um, I think both teams will. Uh, Arizona will try and slow this down, but I still think they'll win like 81. Give me 81-76, and Arizona State looks good. Like, it's it's still close with two minutes to go. Um, but the Wildcats get it and uh, and knock Arizona from the realm of the undefeated. I think Arizona beats them, and I think Arizona beats them pretty easily. I think it's going to be one of those deals where it just, you know, home court advantage, Saturday night. Like let's not you know let's not kid ourselves. Arizona's got the better players, right? And so Some I think them, this is yes. 
Yeah. Trey Holder I mean, don't mess around, man. I'm not, but I understand. But like you take care of if I told you you could take one roster or the of other course. right now. No question. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think this is gonna be one where it will not mean that Arizona State's fraudulent. It will not mean that Arizona State didn't deserve all the attention it's received or the rankings it's gotten. It'll just mean that, yo, they were on the road at Arizona. Like who would you pick to win at Arizona tomorrow? Uh Devin Downey in South Carolina. That's it. I mean, that's freaking it. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry Abeffentigo. But it would take Devin Downey going in there and, like, just really going bananas. Like, something like 30 points, five rebounds, three assists, and two steals. And then perhaps, you know, South Carolina could upset Arizona 68-62. That's what they did to Kentucky back in uh, 2010, specifically January 26, 2010. That was the first loss at Kentucky uh, for Hall of Fame coach John Calipari. Forgot. Yeah, I don't know if you forgot. Hey, I think Arizona get yeah, I think Arizona gets them pretty easily. But how will I know? I just have to wake up Sunday morning and see. I don't have the Pac-12 network. Do you know I actually emailed somebody at the Pac-12 network? Somebody that we know at the Pac-12 network. I uh, what 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 sounds obnoxious? Yeah. Oh, this is Gary Parish. Um, you might have no, heard no, 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 me. No, no, um, no, I don't have no, your no, networks. No. no, it wasn't like that at all. We were emailing like back and forth about things, and this person was actually saying, you know, one of the problems we run into. With the Pac-12, because like maybe it might have been top 25 and one connected. Like I didn't have one of their teams ranked as high as they thought I should have a rank. And uh, I said, I said there is, and he was talking about an East Coast bias or something. And I said, you know what? There's not an East Coast bias. There's just like an East Coast Central Time Zone reality, which is that, you know, I got I got kids. I get up at five o'clock every morning. That means I get up at 3 a.m. Pacific every morning. Like I can't stay up till midnight 1 a.m watching pac-12 games i just it's not because i'm biased against the pac-12 just like i live in the central time zone and i can't do it so think about people in the east uh eastern time zone who can't do it i said beyond that like sometimes there's games that are on like i actually would stay up to watch it but they're on pac-12 network and i've got direct tv um you know i just like i can't see it i said you know what if i have you guys ever thought about this because i know there's a lot of media members out there who like vote in the ap poll and who write about college basketball, who would like to see your games, but have no access to them for the same reason I don't have access to them. Have you guys ever thought about, because ESPN did this once upon a time, before everybody had you know, the Watch ESPN app, you know, they, they had a media passcode to it. So like even if you didn't have access to Watch ESPN, the online streams, you could just use it. It was like a media. It was for the media. Like, hey, log in with this, and you can watch any of our games because we want you to see all of our inventory. And I said, I said, have you guys ever thought about doing that? Just so, like, no media member will ever be able to say, I'd like to watch your games, but I don't have Pac-12 Network because I have DirecTV, and you guys never got to deal with them with DirecTV. And they said, yeah, we talked about it. We just decided not to do that. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you want fewer media people watching your games like the people who talk about these games on podcasts people who write about these games people who rank teams why would you not want to give them access it's not like i'm too cheap to buy the pac-12 network i just literally can't do it and so like why like why would you be against that not just for me but for anybody who's got a job like mine they're like just nah we don't do that it's like okay well then i can't i can't watch arizona arizona state then that's that's why you uh, are clearly biased against pac-12 teams in your rankings there's no doubt right i'm I'm about to go in and drop arizona state right now you should as you absolutely (laughs) should all right i want to wrap up with this i want to wrap up with this um 
This is the final podcast of 2017. Uh, we okay. will not podcast again before the college football semifinals. I just want your general picks. I think we do this every year on the podcast anyway, just for fun. I like Oklahoma to smash Georgia by I'm – I'm a fan of giving actual scores, so I'll do that. I'll say Oklahoma 38-17 to 17 over Georgia. And then Bama-Clemson, I actually am more interested in this game than I, than I thought I would because I, I am definitely someone who, is, who has got Bama fatigue over the past seven, eight years. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I am intrigued by the third straight matchup in this, in this playoff between these two teams. Um, I will take Bama, uh, and I'll take them um, 24-21 in a pretty good game. So give me a Sooners-Tide championship game. Who are you going with? Same teams, and I don't know that Oklahoma is going to smash Georgia. I don't even know that Oklahoma will beat Georgia. But I tend to always, when it comes to the – when I don't have a favorite team involved uh, in the college football playoff, I clearly don't, I go with my favorite thing. Like what is the what is the thing I would like to see most? And I think my favorite thing is Baker Mayfield. I, I love Baker is. Mayfield. I love Baker Mayfield. I love it when he tells people to S his D. I love it when he grabs his D. I love it when he plants flags in the middle of people's field. Like, I love all that stuff. And so I want Baker Mayfield to play for the national championship. So, like, Baker Mayfield against Alabama is the most fun thing, it is. I think. It, yeah. definitely, so get, it definitely is. Yeah, so give me that. That's also, I'll pick that so I can root for that because that's what I want. Not necessarily because I believe that's the way it's going to go, but because that's what I, I want. Like, I'm not a handicapper. I tell people this all the time. Sometimes they click on these expert picks on CBSSports.com. Oh, you're absolutely terrible. I'm no, I'm not much better, but yeah, it's it's. My brother has noticed this, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm. Te- but like, do you know how much thought I put into that? Uh, I, it, about ninety five percent too much. <laughs> no, it's no fault. Oh, okay. I go in. No, I go in and I go. Okay, um, uh, seventy four, seventy one, looks good to me. <laughs> I did, I did, I do. I file that every morning. I have to punch the numbers into a like a program. I do. It takes me 90 seconds. Like people think I'm sitting there trying to handicap the basketball card all day. Like I, first off, I don't have the time. Secondly, I'm not good at it. I'm not a handicapper. It drives me crazy. People say, "Oh, I saw your picks. You suck. CBS should fire you." CBS didn't hire me to pick games or to handicap games. They hired me to be awesome on a podcast and to and to rank basketball teams every freaking morning and to talk on television. And to write columns. Like, that's my job. My job, I'm not a handicapper. If I were, I'd quit all these other jobs and just sit around and gamble all day. Yeah, I got you. I have you. to have Yeah, I got you. You're, I have, you're, you're tired. You're starting to ramble here. You're getting off topic here. Okay. I have, to, I, have to, I have to have all these other jobs to cover my expenses for how terrible of a handicapper I actually am. So I don't know who wins these stupid football games, but I hope, here's what I hope. Mm. I hope it's Oklahoma, and I hope it's Alabama, and I hope we get Baker Mayfield national champion, then Baker Mayfield first-round pick. Then Baker Mayfield NFL. Star. Yeah, I get that. I get that. We'll see. I actually like that they're also on New Year's Day this year as opposed to last year. My last thing is this. So uh, the year is wrapping up. The FBI story was the biggest story in college basketball this year. I think we would both acknowledge that. I want to know, aside from that, what is the thing, the memory, the event, other than us hanging out in Phoenix, which is apparently <laughs> happened, uh, aside from that, what is uh, the biggest thing for you in college basketball from January 1 until December 29 as we record this podcast? Uh, oh, boy, Paris. Uh, There's nothing. Uh, it could be something you watched, experienced in person, anything. You know, if um, – uh, what, what do we do with Vegas with the, with the – uh, what's, the, what's the place called? Uh, what's the top golf? golf? Yeah, top, t- golf. top golf. How good am I at top golf? I mean, I beat you sometimes, but yeah, you're, you're right. 
Um, honestly, if you're trying to think of like the wildest things we saw, it was the LeVar Ball stuff in Vegas. Sad, but probably true. Sad, um, but probably true. That was my, I think my favorite event is being courtside when Chioza beat Wisconsin at the buzzer. That was really awesome. And then to actually just be around Frank Martin when South Carolina and to be there when they got to the final four, like that still felt surreal. It's like South Carolina's going to the freaking final four. Like, are, are you kidding me right now? But the scene in Vegas with LeVar, with LeBron getting advised to not come into the building because they were already beyond capacity. Um, apparently, there were like mega YouTube stars. Like after the Zion Lamelo game, the game ends, the court floods. There's this dude with a phone, and there are like 70 kids around him, like going nuts. And I'm like, who the hell is that? And some guy goes, yeah, it's it's so and so and so. And I'm like, what? He's like, come on, man, he's a YouTube celebrity. I'm like, I have it. Just it brought out those characters in that whole week which got honestly pretty brutal for LeVar with, with the female official. But that whole thing, I actually think in retrospect, he was th that family and him were already at a certain, obviously, mega level of, of celebrity. It brought it up even more and brought criticism to him even more. It changed the dynamic of the officiating at that level. There's not going to be the same refs at that stuff next year. It was, uh, it was definitely crazy and we talked about it on the podcast after that gp like we are going to remember that and talk about that 15 years from now because coaches said it themselves they're like even lebron at abcd camp wasn't like this there were they'd never seen anything like that you know like when we're, next time we're sitting around in phoenix talking yeah about about maybe louisville being number one in the country we'll remember that summer of 2017 the lavar ball spectacle in Las Vegas. That's outside of that. I don't really have great memories. I don't do. I don't go to games anymore. I just sit in a television studio. I mean, that's the truth. I always still. Sometimes there's coaches who don't realize my job has changed so drastically. They're like, so when are you coming out to wear it? I'm like, probably never. Probably never. I don't go to games anymore unless I'm doing sideline. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say never. Like I'm literally. You literally were just at a game hours ago, <laughs> yeah, right? But I. Once January comes and I'm in New York every week, I don't go to games anymore unless I'm doing sideline. I don't. I will not. How about this? Probably will not be in an arena for a basketball game again that I'm not doing sideline on until the Final Four. And might not even be in the arena for the Final Four. Because <laughs> you weren't in the arena for the Final Four last year. <laughs> hey, one more memory for me. One more memory for 2017 for me. You might okay. not remember it, but we actually in February went and – speaking of you going to New York all the time, we went and saw Run the Jewels. It isn't a college basketball memory. Right. But, um, but I, I did stay over in your hotel room out of necessity that night. And, uh, yeah. I might have seen some things, but so that that's that, that's one that kind of sticks out for me. I remember the early part of that night. I remember we had a nice dinner. I remember Gangster Boo. I remember the beginning of Run the Jewels. Not so much the end. <laughs> oh, I, I I very much remember the end and what came after that. So perhaps January, February, there's someone comes to the city. We're able to do it. We can uh, we can recreate a memory. You know what? I look forward to that, Norlander. I have a forward. safe New Year's Eve, GP. You have a safe New Year's Eve as well. And we're going to talk to you again at some point uh, early in the week. If you haven't subscribed to the Island College Basketball Podcast yet, please go do that. Rate it favorably. I take back what I said about being a nerd and, and listening on a Friday night because I'm a big, I'm a big nerd. I spent this entire week driving a minivan, and I'm about to go to sleep on a Friday night. So um, we can all be nerds together. I appreciate all of you. Listen, rate it favorably, write nice comments, and we'll talk to you again next week. Till then, take care.